Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, and joining me as ever from across the pond is my transatlantic movie brother. It's a statesman to my kingsman. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How you doing, man? I am doing pretty well, Matt. How are you? I am doing not so bad. I've got a Dr. Pepper next to me. Yes, it's late in England, but... I really fancied Dr. Pepper, so I have a Dr. Pepper with me. The wind and rain is lashing outside. Uh, it's a proper British like, kind of like late summer evening. It's hammering it down out there. But it's a lovely backdrop to hear the wonderful tones of JB himself. So how are you? I am doing pretty well. Um, kind of debating on if I want to go to Starbucks after this, because for some reason, even though it's only August 25th, they've released the pumpkin spice early and cashing uh, on that aren't they yeah i i mean it's too early for pumpkin to be real but i love the pumpkin spice and it's so there. it's calling your name it, but it's so many calories that's the worst part is like the they have a pumpkin cold brew and it's like 250 oh. calories and i'm just like oh i really want it but how many, so many calories would that be to run that off uh not many like maybe maybe one and a half like there you go so it, every it's day there. an extra mile and a half <laughs> You know, but hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. Even if I don't get it today, I'm definitely by the end of the weekend. I shall have had a pumpkin cold brew because I, I just can't help it. Dunkin' also has their pumpkin stuff, mm. um, which means I might have to get me a pumpkin donut too because those are like my favorite. Um, so who knows? It's gonna be a pumpkin kind of, kind of season. It makes me feel good. I think we're just trying to jump ahead to fall because you know the summer is it's trying to end over. this year. Yeah, it sooner we can get to the end maybe the better you know of course that's that's maybe delusional because we all thought that 2019 can't get any worse Mm -hmm. and then now we're all like oh i missed 2019 so much um so halcyon days that was but um well i now fancy a pso or a pump certainly the donut you know i'm a big fan of the donuts um to be honest i'm kind of wishing the fall or autumn to begin it pretty much has over here anyway we've had our um few days of heat and now we're back to back to basics so uh this episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast not only are we talking about our favorite sweets and beverages we're also going to be carrying on our coverage of the fantasia international film festival 2020 Uh, as we mentioned last week and in our preview show we managed to score accreditation thanks to the good guys and girls over at fantasia so we've been basically neck deep in, in Fantasia films for the last three weeks. And it's been great. I know we, we said that last week, we said it before. There's been ups and downs. We're not going to, we're not here to blindly praise every film. There's been ups and downs, but it's been so much fun just to be able to just sit down, watch films, pretend 2020 is not happening and um, yeah. And get lost in films, which I, I and potentially John wouldn't have seen or maybe even heard of uh, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the festival. And as per, we've got four, we're going to be talking about this week. Uh, up top no spoilers and the films are only available unfortunately right now if you are a canadian resident whether they get distribution soon hopefully and you guys will be able to find a way to watch them if you can there is someone here which we will advise you to drop everything unless you're holding a baby and go and watch these films so uh john number one of four what we're going for to start with this week well, we're going to start with a movie that I'm so mad that I realized after you said I would introduce it that I'm going to mispronounce all the names again. Um, this happens so often. I didn't even uh, realize. Yeah, and I, you say that. I'm starting to wonder. But uh, <laughs> the movie is called Korea, which I'm hoping I'm even saying that correctly. But uh, it is a drama fantasy horror film um, directed by Siddharth Sri Nanafasan. That's probably wrong, but it feels like I was in the ballpark. Um, I'll take it. And then it stars uh, Ivana Tika, Akar Kar, M D Asif, Kishan Baharipia. I think I got that one. I feel like that was in the ballpark. Um, and it's weird because the the billing is not great on IMDb for this because it's not like the people who are actually 
stars are like way down on the list. Like mm-hmm. it's the movie's protagonist is Neil and he's the sixth or seventh build, uh, played by noble Luke. Um, and, uh, I think we need to reference Sarah. Um, right. Is Sarah the, uh, the love interest or is it Sitara? Uh, Sitara is like, love interest. okay. Ooh, it had to be Sitara. Um, I don't know how to do the, the J sound with the V. Is it Nav- Navjat? Yep. Randhawa? Killing it. Oh, man. All right. So I'm Take that how you will, but you're killing it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm butchering it in other ways. Um, so the movie's interesting. I'm going to read the synopsis. Kriya is a nightmare odyssey of a young DJ named Neil who is picked up by uh, picked up one fateful night by a beautiful Sitara. This in the synopsis only to be thrust into a hallucinatory, hallucinatory world of ritual magic surrounding the imminent death of her father. Um, there's definitely some cultural stuff in this movie that I was not familiar with, and thus mm-hmm. it, it didn't resonate in that way for me. Um, but I found it compelling to kind of learn those uh, elements. Um, and it, it did make me kind of like do some research. I'm like, wait, is this a, a normal ritual? Is this how they often perform um, in this culture? Uh, things that immediately... I didn't like um, I was I had to look away from the screen during the opening sequence because they're at like a rave and it's like red and blue strobe light and it's in tight close up. And it was just it was way too long mm-hmm. of that. Like where I, I was like, I can't keep looking at this. I, I, I don't have epilepsy or anything, but it felt like I was going to like freak out if I didn't stop looking at the screen. Um, but overall, I I. I enjoyed parts of the film. I thought some of the acting was a little bad. Some of the dialogue was a little, a little cheesy. Um, and I don't know if that was uh, maybe translation issues where like maybe the, the captions aren't quite the right um, wording. So it feels, you know, less substantial than maybe it should have. Uh, I thought most of the cast was really good. I, I kind of felt like Neil went for like soap opera soap opera style acting at moments where like he really overemphasized uh like the the anger he was feeling it was a little too melodramatic um and we were already in like a heightened like horror film like you don't want the melodrama too like it's like at least i don't want the melodrama mm-hmm. i just want the horror yeah. um and it never quite scared me um and I don't, I don't need a horror movie to scare me but i never felt the tension or the the horror in any way that felt like a horror movie in a way that i wanted like i recognized oh well that's clearly a horror element and that's that's a horror theme but they never it never felt like a horror movie you know um but not not a bad movie i think there's some really interesting stuff here there's some cool visuals i even think some of the 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 uh the overall the the part that we really can't talk about without spoiling was maybe one of my favorite parts um because I would say I was checked out through a good chunk of the movie, but the end did bring me back in where I was a little, I was more up on it when the film ended than, than not. So mm-hmm. that, that definitely helped. It, it concluded its story strong and it made me um, kind of recontextualize elements of the film in a way that made me keep thinking about it afterwards, which is always a good sign. If a movie, I walk away and I forget it, uh, it's going to get a low rating, but if I walk away and I can't stop thinking about it or I'm still processing it, it's done something to me to at least make me consider it versus like just, you know, write it off. Um, yeah, I can't really disagree with anything you said there. I was slightly more up on it than you were. And this is one of the my picks from the preview episode uh, based solely on the synopsis and the fact that, I, like I said, I'd never seen an Indian horror movie before. And I'd love to see how, how they handled it, especially when it's tied into a like a re- religious ritual as this film is like you, I, I hold no, hold my hands up. I'm not aware of the ins and outs of the ritual or the details. So I'm going, I'm letting the movie teach me as I go, as I'm going along. And, um, yeah, the, the film isn't, it's not terrifying. It's not scary. It has a good atmosphere. It has an intriguing atmosphere throughout. It dips in the middle. There is like a noticeable like lull in the middle of the film. Cause I was intrigued by the beginning, not necessarily the strobe lights, but we know where, where it goes when they reach the house, which is in the synopsis, and then, like you say, uh, you know, that's like my part of the final third. But there is a bit in the middle where it kind of sags and loses its way a little bit. Um, mm. Some of the dialogue is a bit stilted, and I agree that may be lost in translation. Um, but I did, I like the location. I think the singular location worked well. Uh, it led itself to some good atmosphere. There, it, it was kind of a twenty-four light in a sense with the way mm. that it was very slow. 
and the way they used their setting and the lighting and certain camera angles and techniques felt very reminiscent of the films from that studio. But, you know, I didn't think it was a vanilla horror. I thought contemporary horror. It, it, it leans on, it lent on the fears and the Antarctic and the troubles of the characters and by subverting this tradition, Hindu tradition, and the and Indian families subverting our view about them, which is what the director wanted. That's his paraphrasing himself. It creates an uncomfortable and a, more of an eye-opening movie. It's got a personal edge, but there's something more to it than just going to watch something like A Slender Man or something like that, which is your kind of lock stock generic horror. But, um, yeah, so I like the premise. I liked a lot of the execution. I agree some of the acting was a bit hammy at times. I thought Sitara was fine. I thought she was okay. I didn't think um, Neil was all so bad, but I think there was a, um, there was a a noticeable difference in uh, ability just in this film. That's not to say that they're not going to go and do films and star in them, but there was a noticeable difference in who was better than who in this film. But do you know what? I quite liked it. And again, um, Srinivasan, the director, said he wanted to expose the debasement of women within Hinduism. His words, not mine, don't at me. And this film does a good job of that. This film, it's not subtle in it, but it does raise some questions and some points when you're watching it. We're kind of thinking, damn, this is, this is, you know, this is uncomfortable to watch from that side, from its treatment of uh, characters, of uh, female characters and things. It's really odd, to be honest. But... you know, the director wanted that and he played up to it. So I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Some of the horror elements felt tacked on slightly. There's a one, there's like a, a recurring, like almost like a nightmare shot uh, involving a character we don't really see in the film per se, which kind of comes up, which looks fine, but you know, they didn't, they, it was reused a few times and it wasn't, it wasn't particularly scary the first time or shocking, but by the sort of second or third time, I just kind of thought it was put in there because they could do it. But do you know what? As hallucinatory horror, I thought it was pretty good. Srinivasan obviously had a point he wanted to put across. He did. He opened my eyes to a lot of things. And he gave me a horror which I hadn't seen uh, in, a, in a while. A, re- a, a religious ritual uh, from a religion I'm not clued up on. It was something different. I didn't mind it. Would I? Would I, would did I think it was going to be a little bit uh, more shocking or a little bit more engaging, compelling? Yes, I did. But I, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. So I think I think that's Korea. Unless you've got any more to add to it. No, I I'm good. No, in that case, we shall move on. And our next film is uh, well, it's. A film which is close to my heart because it's got the word dinner in it. But it's a film called Dinner in America. And it's directed by uh, Adam uh, Raymeyer. And it stars Kyle Golner, Emily Skeggs, Brittany Sheets, Pat Healy, Griffin Gluck, Leah Thompson. And it's a dark comedy coming of age punk rock uh, jaunt adventure. It's, the synopsis reads, socially awkward Patty, played by Emily Skeggs. She gets bullied on a regular. She works a pet store job that she hates and she has an uncomfortable home life. A chance encounter with On The Lambs punk rocker Simon, played by Kyle Garner, changes her world. Not because he sweeps her off her feet. He's dismissive, aggro and has a penchant for pyrotechn- pyromania. But just the same, their combined energies unlock a powder keg of inner revolutions as they embark on an insane journey through the sinking suburbs of the American Midwest. Now... Uh, as I put in my review, every time I think of this, I keep singing along to Living in America by James Brown, but just changing it to Dinner in America. So good luck with that getting out of your head. But I thought this film was wonderful. I thought this film was awesome, Dinner Dinner in America. I was slightly worried that up top that I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to latch on to the character of Simon, played by Kyle Golner, who by the end of it, is a thunderbolt. He's incredible leading this film. But I thought, is he going to be too, you know, overly anarchistic? But, that you know, it, that was, I soon learned in hindsight of the film, that he was set up to be that way for the payoff later on. Emily Skeggs is great. I also worried that she was going to be a bit, you know, used 
bit too socially awkward, shall we say, but I think they managed to, uh, or she managed to keep her performance wonderfully uh, restrained. I, the, the laughs are incredible in this. The music for, for a film about punk rock, they nail the music in the soundtrack and the songs that the two combine to create. There's a real good alternative indie feeling to this. Uh, it's set in the 90s, so, you know, uh, so trigger warning, there are some uh, references mm-hmm. which are already outdated and may offend, but bearing in mind when this film takes place and it is, it was kind of symptomatic of that time, it's used to uh, set the scene rather than to shock. None of this is there to shock you. It's there to to uh, live in the time that they did. But I thought this film was excellent. I thought it was compelling. I thought it was enthralling. It's gross. It's charming. It's beautiful. It's crass. I love the two lead characters. I want to know more about what they did afterwards. Do you know what? It's it's everything about this film was just punk rock, other than it being bloody brilliantly made. You know, punk rock likes to be loose, play it loose, play it fast and hard. The film itself is a wonderfully made, shot crafted film, but there's a real punk rock energy. It's a real rebellious street running through this film. I thought it was excellent. What did you think, JB? Um, this is one of my favorite films from this festival yeah. for sure. Uh, I immediately, um, I, I when I realized Kyle Gallner was from uh, um, Band of Robbers, which mm-hmm. is the um, the Mark Twain uh, modernized version of like Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer, um, I was like, oh great, because I I love that movie and. Um, his character, I, I agree. Like he was, I was a little worried that he could be overwritten or over the top, yeah. but that's not how I felt by the end. Um, Emily Skaggs, I had seen in a couple of things, um, including Miseducation of Cameron mm-hmm. Post, which was really, really great. Um, she's not the lead in that, but she does have a major character. And um, the, I mean, the opening sequence of this movie at dinner uh, when he, well, almost opening sequence, I guess <laughs> it's like the second sequence um, where he goes to like the family dinner and Leah Thompson's there. Uh, not only was it like super funny, but it's just um, it's so like over the top, and it kind of sets the bar for what this movie's going to be and how it's it's going to uh, feel. Um, there's so many like you can pull like so many different references, uh, and and I think setting it in the '90s is really great because you get rid of like the cell phone and you, you're yes. allowed to. Um, we kind of have that punk vibe where he's so uh, anti-corporate and um, it really fits there because he's not, there's not like he's holding a cell phone or whatever. Cause in uh green room, their whole punk tour, like, cause it is green room was modern. They didn't have a social media presence because they were more about the grassroots thing. Mm-hmm. Cause they were trying to be like true heart punk, which of course helps. Right. And it really helps sell the, uh, the premise of the film when they go missing. Um, no one would know because they don't have a web presence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But Dinner America, like you have that, um, the 90s thing. I think that trigger warning is important because there are some, you know, 90s were a lot less um, PC in, in most ways. Uh, they would say, you know, there's they there's some uh, homophobic slurs and I think there's even a racial slur mm-hmm. at some point, but not from the characters that we're supposed to like. And that's, I think, important. Um, they they tend to be more you know all inclusive and ahead of their time. I feel like they're painted as kind of progressive, mm-hmm. um, uh, also aggressive, but p- progressive for sure. Um, I I just I thought it was really funny. I thought it was really endearing. I thought the chemistry between Skeggs and Gallner was really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few things that I think there's some elements to the the character that if you read it maybe maybe incorrectly or if you read it a certain way can make this movie not work for you and i think that's gonna really make or break this film for some people which character sorry um, uh with her more than with more her, than yeah. Him. yeah i think there's um i i'd read someone interpret her to uh somebody had said they they thought she was a younger character than she actually is because cool. i think she were told she's like 20 or 21 mm-hmm. but um some of her mannerisms and behavior seem to imply that she's younger than that mm-hmm. um and then uh and also like it's hard to tell if she's just weird or if she has a mental disability mm-hmm. and i think again your interpretation of the character can really make or break this film um i don't think they were playing her to have a mental you know like a, not a not a severe mental disability mm-hmm. but she definitely 
I think she's supposed to just be really sheltered and so sheltered that she's like, she's younger than she should be um, in her mannerisms and her behavior. Almost like uh, Molly coddled. Right, right. I don't know if that's a, a phrase here in the States, but yes. Uh, <laughs> but it means when you kind of live, you live a sheltered life and you kind of, uh, you're sheltered from the outside world and the, the nastiness of the real world. And it's kind of just live in your own little bubble. Yeah, I knew I knew the word coddled. I just I don't think we throw model, Molly in front of it. But uh, hey, I got a new one. Um, That's it. I, uh, I I don't know. I I was really into this. I thought it was super funny. Um, it's one. It I don't I can't take credit for it. I'm going to give credit to the reviewer, um, uh, Daniel Slosman, and uh, her website is Slazy on Movies. Um, I think is what it is. Yeah, Slazy at the movies. I'm sorry. Um wrote it's the next coming of napoleon dynamite on letterbox and i just i'm like yeah that feels right there's something that's mm-hmm. very like even in the aesthetic of the film like the look of it kind of reminds of that that indie uh style that napoleon brought in and um it's not i don't think there's like the same amount of like one-liners that you get from napoleon like where there's very like clear like that's a quotable line that's a quotable mm-hmm. line no. i think this movie's more endearing though i i i really enjoyed a lot of it and i felt like it was a little more gra- napoleon almost seems like a farce in a way it's very where, right and this feels a little more grounded and uh even in like I, I think you could argue that the opening scene could have been like not grounded but given that it sets up the rest of the film and him being kind of like on the run mm-hmm. um it, it's grounded right like because it yeah. seems surreal like when he jumps through the window at the beginning of the movie it's like is this happening? But then when, when there's consequences to that action, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, it did happen. And so now he's in trouble. So like that part, I really, I liked a lot. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I thought the performances were great and I really, I thought it was a fun, um, interesting kind of, I, I, I don't know if you could call it a straight up rom-com, but it's definitely there. Oh, and we have to talk. We can't talk much in detail, but, uh, this is a, it's a movie about a musician. Um, a punk musician and uh there is one song that we get from this movie like at least one really uh like where the song is important to the narrative and man that song is so good like i love that song so much and that that always wins me over too if a movie has if a movie about musicians has a song in it that i actually love and would like listen to outside of it the movie gets heightened a bunch like uh, I've talked about Rudderless in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, that film, I think, is interesting. I think it's it's got some good performances. I, but I think as a overall, like, take away the music, it's just a good movie. But with the music, I think it's a great movie. I love the soundtrack to Rudderless so, so much. And the performances from both Anton Yelchin and Billy Crudup in that are fantastic in terms of their music. So I am uh, all about that. And... Um, this movie has that element too that really won me over at the end. Like I was already into it, but the song was just like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" So, uh, yeah, that that was the kicker for me to put this over the top and make it like a five star movie, in my opinion. But bro, Dameron, I agree. That, but so that, the the way that they use that song and the way that Hiromaya blends it into the the sequence itself is so well done, and you get and and the surprise element that it brings at a certain point as well is. It's great, and that's what I mean. And you mentioned it, it's, it's an endearing film. The two characters who you think, "How on earth is this going to work?" It's bonkers. It's so endearing, and there's moments in it where you kind of like, "Do you know what? Good on you guys. Good on you." I, I, like I said, I loved it. I'd love to have known what direction they took after the after the credits rolled. I'd love to know what on earth these two got up to, and um, in like months and years to come, I'd have. You know, I mean, I, I dig that. No, I'm not advocating a sequel before anyone says, but just in terms of those characters, cause I really dug them. And, uh, the comparisons to Napoleon Dynamite are very clear. Yes, as soon as you mention it, you, it is very clear. But I prefer this one to Napoleon Dynamite for the reasons you say. It's much more grounded. Whilst I don't necessarily, necessarily relate to the characters in this film either, but mm. they just felt more real. In a film like this, it wouldn't have worked if you'd had um if you'd had Simon or um or Patty, you know, like dishing out one liners here here and there, left, right, and so it wouldn't it wouldn't work. It would deviate from the film, it would it, it would change the dynamic of the phone totally. And I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm glad that the gags were either you know, actual jokes or physical moments and things like that. So I 
yeah, this is one of my favourite films of the of the entire festival. So uh, I'm glad we got a chance to see this one, dude. Me too. I, I, it's one um, I pick my movies kind of randomly, and I picked this one. I actually was hoping it was a documentary, and um, <laughs> I just thought I was like, hey, it's probably a food doc. I like food documentaries; they're always what pretty entertaining. And then uh, I found out it wasn't a documentary, and then I saw who was in it. So I was like, I already had committed to watching it without any real information. And I was like, oh, well, I think I might have picked a good one. And then sure enough, it was like, wow, I luckily fell into the one that I loved. So it was a good good experience. Yep. So dinner, dinner in America, if you get a chance to, do go and check it out. So next up on our list is one that uh, there was a little bit of a misunderstanding even about how I felt about it. Um, I've had my say as well on this. Yeah, recommended uh, by Big Tuna to us, and we mentioned this on the uh, preview show. It's called I Weirdo, and it, I do want to emphasize that it's it's spelled I wear D O or capitalized, as though it's it's something like I weirdo, but it's I weirdo. Um, the film, uh, this film is Asia's first feature film shot on an iPhone, yeah. which is obviously something worth telling right away. Telling the story of two weirdos becoming a positive. Uh, made by two negatives um directed by ming yi lao uh nikki he- uh, sai i think it's uh, nikki's hasai nikki's hasai maybe okay uh, and po hung lin um and really that's it uh, there's a yeah. couple other like actors in the movie but they are are few and far between it's it's predominantly these two um okay so listeners if you've been listening you know i am a big rom-com person this movie is a rom-com in every way imaginable, and it is excellent. Um, I, I would say it hits all the genre elements that you expect a rom-com to do, and I think it elevates, um, if not necessarily in the, the rom-com genre, it elevates in its filmmaking. There, the filmmaker, aside from using iPhone, which you might say is just like, oh, well, that's such a gimmick, but we've seen you know, uh, Sean Baker do it with Tangerine, which is excellent. And then we have Steven Soderbergh, who has become a big fan of it, has done High Flying Bird and Unsane it with iPhones. Um, it is going to become more and more commonplace and not not necessarily a trope. And I, I feel like this movie does a good job of when it wants to draw attention to the fact that it's on an iPhone, it does. But it also, there are, there are shots in this movie that you would not think were from an iPhone. Like, um, mm-hmm. I think it's, one of the complaints that Soderbergh's films have had with his use of iPhone is the lighting that he's uh, using the natural lighting. And sometimes it doesn't look very good. It looks a little muddy. Um, I think you get some shots like that in Unseen. And there's definitely a few uh, scenes in Un- High Flying Bird where it's it's not the best looking version of a film that we've had. I think this movie looks really good. So this filmmaker didn't just like, I'm going to use an iPhone. I think they, they got really creative with it and it comes off that way. Um, I love both of the performances but nikki um hasai is what we're saying mm-hmm. i think so she is tremendous in this movie uh, she's charming uh there are moments where she is exuding great sadness and is it it's so convincing um i think the story is really unique in a lot of ways and the way they visually represent the story is one of my favorite parts of this movie um i don't want to get i i i feel like i could talk about it and it not be a spoiler but I also don't want to like take away the experience because I, I, I didn't know anything about this other than Sean, Sean recommended it. He had told me it was shot on an iPhone. Um, none of the press material I had at the time said anything about the iPhone though. Uh, like they weren't making that their big pull. It's not like on the poster or anything like that. So uh, that's the first time I think I've seen it like written out that it's on an iPhone. Um, but I, I just thought this was excellent and so funny but also charming and um, introspective. It makes you think uh, because these two characters um, are OCD and uh, both are germaphobes too, which I, there's a better term for that, which I don't have in front of me, but um, it's that it's the idea of like how our flaws when we find the person we love become pluses, right? Like they're mm-hmm. no longer flaws. They're just the things that we are endeared to. And that's, that's such a touching concept and the movie really explores that in a big way um i i i loved it how about you dude this is my favorite film of the festival certainly so far because it hasn't finished yet but i honestly i love this film so much i i went on all the uh emotions that this roller coaster ordered me to go on and as for the under misunderstanding 
dude, big big tuna thought you weren't a fan of this. And I even said to him, no, this guy calls himself a teacher with this level of diligence putting the wrong rating on Letterboxd. You know, come on. So I don't know what happened, but somehow, which I wasn't even able to rate it yet. Like, so I could have gotten in trouble for that too. So I'm lucky I didn't like, I <laughs> somehow clicked the two stars or two and a half stars or something on Letterboxd on accident. And when I saw it, I immediately removed it. Cause I was like, Oh crap. I'm not even supposed to have that like posted yet. Um, so yeah, I, I got lucky, uh, that way, but, um, yeah, no, I, it was funny. Cause as soon as I posted my review the other night, he messaged me like, I thought you hated it. I'm like, no, I don't know how you thought that. And then he told me, and I was like, Oh, you saw that. I didn't realize that you had, cause I, I didn't know how long it had been there. Like I thought I had just done it or something. Um, but yeah, you gotta be careful with the internet folks. Sometimes you can send mis- mixed signals, but, uh, yeah. Always no. watching big tuners always there watching. Um, no, I because I remember speaking to you about it during it, or certainly afterwards, and I remember saying you enjoyed it. I I love it, mate. I thought it was great. It, you start, you know, it's this fun, a fun courtship, and it's a really nice rom com. And then you get like a, a a change of tone during it, and but it works, you know, it really works. And by then, the what happens in like the first half allows the uh, events of the second half to hold even greater weight because you really come to. I do anyway. I really came to really dig these characters. Oh, yeah. Big time, big time. I, I thought they were great. I thought the the chemistry was excellent. I thought they were cute together. They their the gags were well executed, well timed. Um, I think Nikki Hassai gets more to do during the film, especially later on in the film. It's she you know, in terms of like emotion and screen time, but the two of them together are are excellent, and it is a. It is like a very timely movie, but considering what's going on at the minute in the world, but um, right. I and it was shot before this, as far as I'm aware, as well. But honestly, there's there's I found the comedy to be very good. The emotion, the heartache, joy, like I mentioned in my review, gravitas and pathos about it as well. I thought the dialogue was good. I really like the fact that they sidestepped a lot of cliches that come with the genre of the, the rom com genre. They hey, look, we get some in there as well. But how the film goes and the twists and the turns it takes for me, it sidesteps convention. For an awful lot, and that is what kept me engaged throughout. It wasn't; it didn't necessarily go the way I thought it was going to go. Um, but um, and also in that, you get you get a shift in aspect ratio as well. How how the director uses the, the aspect ratio and also color throughout this is really oh, well yeah. done. There's a use of color in relation to what's happening on screen. Not throughout; it isn't like a. It isn't like a wild kaleidoscope of uh, of a movie, but there are you know color is used really well to convey tone and mood. But it's not like it's done smack you in the face, but it's done nicely in the background. And yeah, I really really enjoyed this film. I like like what like how you said two people come together based on uh, based on on the fact that they can they can revel in each other's kind of foibles and quirks, if you will. They both have OCD. They found someone who is respective of their, respecting of their respective conditions. And that's lovely. And the the, the humour comes from all of that. And honestly, where it, where it ends up, I really got into this. You know, I really was completely glued onto the screen and watching this. I really, really liked it. The, the, so far, again, with a week or so left of the festival, uh, we've got one more show to go. So far, I we- spoiler, I Weirdo is my favourite of the lot. I really can't recommend this enough. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it, if you get a chance to see this, uh, the sooner the better. It's it's amazing. Yep, and um, for our final film is of this uh, run anyway, is uh, called D- Detention. It's a video game movie, which I wasn't aware of that it was a video game. It, right. uh, I think Red Candle Games, I think it is. Released it in 2017 as a 2D game, uh, and it's a Taiwan, another Taiwanese film. And I, 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 again, this is one of the ones which I was looking at the premise. I was like, you know what, this has got a really cool premise to it. It's it's taken a the political uh, a political movement of the time, the White Terror movement, when, uh, as we mentioned previously in previous show, left leaning political writings or speech in general was basically outlawed in in Taiwan if you were found to be indulging in it you were you would be killed basically that that was it you'd be thrown in jail or you would be punished uh, by death um and on top of that 
they've added a horror element. If that wasn't horrific enough, they've added an actual horror movie element to it. So I'm kind of going into this thinking, how are they going to mesh this together? Is it going to stick out? Is it going to be clumsy? Is one going to overrule the other? But uh, as it turns out, I thought the tension was, was again, was great. It's produced by Warner Brothers and distributed by Warner Brothers, the local um, uh, branch. And you can tell it looks it looks polished. It looks like something I'd want to watch on the big screen. It looked quality. I thought this was a really decent film. There's, a, there's obviously there's socio-political commentary, but there's that horror, there's drama, there's a little bit of romance. We go back and forward in time in this film. It's not a time travel film. We have flashbacks uh, to um, which is more of a past timeline than flashbacks, and it, it it kind of leans into the horror in the first half, and in the second half. It's more of a dramatic story. Uh, and it follows a girl called Fang, who's played by uh, Gingle Wang, who is wonderful in this lead role. She's excellent. She's a student and she has a kind of a, a, ro- a romance with her teacher, Mr. Chang, for the majority of the film. And we're kind of following them. But the, the characters that surround them are just as important. So it's not just those guys. But, you know, these two are your certainly uh, Fang is our uh, lead in this film. There's some great twists in this. There's a couple of big twists, which I put in my review. It makes reviewing the film, um, it makes reviewing the film and discussing it a bit of a minefield, but that's not a bad thing because I like it when a film isn't quite so, isn't so straight up that you can just, you know, blast through it. You have to sort of step around a few things because I don't want to give anything away. But mm-hmm. Gingle Wang as Fang was great. Her layered performance over the two timelines was very good. Um, there's a lot of it's a tragic movie because of the background and because of what's going on. But you know there are some decent scares. It's a great atmosphere and it shines a light on a history, a period of time which uh, I'm not entirely sure gets much coverage, though it probably should do. But it's well worth your time. There's a few. There's a couple of dips here and there. Nothing major, but I thought my f- kind of intrigue of how they were going to blend the genres, uh, political and horror, was I, there was no need. It was really well done. It's a very accomplished political horror, if I can so call it that. But I thought the tension was great. And I've spoken to my buddy who knows computer games, and he was very aware of the game, the tension. He wasn't aware there's a movie and now can't wait to check it out because he said the game was great. But I thought the tension was pretty damn good what about yourself i um also i loved it uh just uh, everything about it i i really love the look of the film um overall like i just think the aesthetic of it it, it has this um it kind of reminded me of silent hill a little bit as far as like the yeah. the lighting and the the shadow um even some of the the creature type stuff um that shows up in the movie and again like you said it's hard to what can you say and whatnot because I, I knew almost nothing about this and in fact uh, guiltily, I didn't know anything about the White Terror, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I keep running into movies that introduce me to history things that I had no clue about. Um, like I just watched uh, the movie uh, Cachet, which is a yeah. French film that has a, a whole thing about um, a horrible massacre that happens in in Paris in 1961 that like kind of leads part of the plot, and I had no clue. I'd never heard of it, and I'm just like, man, uh, the revisionist history and or my inability to pay attention. To, uh, pay attention in history classes um the things that i learned and this was one of them um i found so much about detention to be compelling interesting uh, definitely the performances i thought were really really strong um i want to play the game i've been eyeballing it because it's not too expensive it is available on ps4 uh, and nintendo switch apparently um but i haven't i have not yet but i i uh i think there's a strong argument to be made that this is one of the best video game movies um mm-hmm. even though you know, it's, I think it's one of those kind of, you got to take it with a grain of salt because this isn't a, a well-known video game by comparison to like Sonic the Hedgehog, where that's an iconic character yeah, being yeah. adapted. Um, it's also, this game appears to be very story driven. So it makes sense that the story here would work so well. Um, I don't think the movie feels like a video game for the most part. There's a couple of little pieces in the, in the film that I think you could say, oh, well, that's video game esque but not inherently like it doesn't, it feels like a, um, it, it doesn't like 
it's not trying to be a video game movie. It's a movie mm-hmm. that is inspired by a video game, which is something I think a lot of video game movies do wrong is they try to recreate the experience that you would have playing the game. And that's like not what we want from a movie, right? We want the story. We want you to, you know, show us the character build into that more. And I think this movie does a really good job with that. I think the characters are really fleshed out. I think the relationships of the characters are, are understood and we definitely get the stakes of what's going on. Yep. Um, and the horror elements just play perfectly into it. And I, I loved it. I thought it was excellent. And um, especially for a film festival movie, I thought the, uh, the effects were really strong. Like um, I don't know how big the budget really was for this, but it, it felt it felt like a, a bigger budget than I would have expected. Um, yeah, like I said, I had I had Warner Brothers pushing it, so and 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 you can you can just tell, you know, there were it looked incredibly good. And on the point about video game movies, if I hadn't actually looked up the synopsis or looked or looked into the um, into the press parts about this film, I would have had no idea. Dear, this, this is a video game movie, so that wouldn't have cloud. It didn't cloud my judgment anyway. But no, it doesn't yeah, play same. like a video game movie, does it? Like you say, if you don't know it's a video game film, you're not going to think anything differently. You're just going to think, well, this is a bloody good political horror film. Whereas, obviously, something like Tomb Raider or Sonic or Super Mario, you know, it's, it's synonymous with their IP. Whereas something like this, which is apparently pretty well, well respected in the gaming world, outside of that bubble, like me, I had no idea. So I approached this film with a completely different hat on and I still loved it. Same. And I, I don't think I knew it was a video game film until after I had watched it. So like I, it didn't affect my, my viewing whatsoever. So uh, two thumbs up again for, um, for detention. So we've had what, four films, three of them we thought were pretty damn good, if not excellent. And Korea was, was all right. It was, it was decent. So for the first time in forever, again, watch Frozen an awful lot this week. We have had a, a main batch where, we haven't really been uh, negative about all of them. Yes, there is one which is uh, not uh, potentially up to the st- quality of the others in terms of our opinion, but I don't, that's a pretty solid foursome there. Agreed. So, um, right. Well, that's our that's our main reviews, and now we are gonna we're gonna move on to what else we've been consuming. It's been a busy week since the last episode with Fantasia, but we've also managed to find time in amongst that to find. Uh, solace in other things but uh, jb what have you been watching from the fantasia what's the kind of roundup for those films so um i watched a movie called cosmic candy mm. uh which uh, caught my attention because somewhere somebody compared it to a lanthimos uh yorgos lanthimos film okay. because it, I, i'm guessing because it's a greek film um because that's kind of where it ends in my opinion i don't really see a connection to the lanthimos films and i've seen most of his filmography, I think there's only one of his films I have not been able to see because it's not available in the US, um, which is like his very first film. But I've seen, uh, I'm going to forget the names of the uh, Dogtooth and then the one about Got the Dogtooth, the, the Lobster, there's Alps, the Alps is the other one. Yeah, I've seen I've seen all of the American like r- natural release films like Lobster, mm. uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. And I, I'm a big fan of uh, favorite mm. as well. I, I love all three of those. But um I'm a big Lanthimos fan, so that that made me uh, intrigued by Cosmic Candy. Uh, it's fine. It's it doesn't. It never felt important. Like it, it, and it didn't feel like personal. It just felt like it was doing some things that, if they had pushed one way a little more, where maybe it would have felt like I would have felt more connected to it. It just never fully clicked. Um, I thought the lead performances were really good. There's a young actress um, in it who's very very uh, engaging, and I think. Um, does a tr- tremendous job, honestly, but the the movie around her is just not what it could have been. Mm. It felt like it could have been something really great, and it just is, it just never fully commits. Um, I watched Sleep, which you talked about briefly last yes. week, uh, which is a German horror film. It really clicked for me. I liked it a lot. Um, nice. I don't, I wouldn't say I loved it, but I it, it was really like I was in it, and I was uh, I thought some of the commentary was was kind of there. Some of it's on the nose or like predictable, but I overall just thought it was really entertaining. And um, uh, I thought the performances were really good mm-hmm. uh, from the actors. I think you were slightly um, more up on it than I was. I thought it was okay, but I think you were more appreciative of it. Yeah, and it's funny how that sometimes clicks. Like my my horror taste is is kind of all over the place. I never know how I'm going to feel about mm-hmm. a horror movie, but 
Um, that one happened to click with me. I do think for horror films with me, it, it is also reflective of how I'm feeling when I watch it and sleep just kind of hit. I literally watched it before yeah. bed and then I had nightmares, um, not about the movie, just like general nightmares, but I don't usually have nightmares. So I, I associate that with the movie. Like it set me in like the right, the, the mindset to have my own nightmares. Um, Got into your psyche. Yep. Uh, I watched Bleed With Me, which is uh, a horror film that debuted uh, this week um, at the festival. I I didn't care for it um, very much, and uh, mm-hmm. you know um, it's it's okay. I, I I thought it was just lacking in some areas. Uh, my written review will have more details, but um, and then uh, Special Actors is uh, the new film by the director who did uh, One Cut of the Dead, which is a movie that yeah. I just can't stress enough people need to watch it is on shutter if you have a shutter subscription um and special actors is not a horror movie though so note that uh, it's a follow-up but it is definitely not a horror film it is a comedy um but he uh man i can't say this guy's name at all i have there's so many little like accent marks in it i have no clue uh shinichiro waida waida you nailed it again hey you know i went for it um he's this he's just got a knack for storytelling and in innovative ways that maybe you don't see coming. And I really appreciated it. The, the, the movie's funny. Um, it's awkward at times. Uh, there's some really cool performances, even just the general idea of what, what special actors, what the title means when you watch the movie is really kind of great. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, it looks fairly low budget and it, but that actually the aesthetic works with what's happening in the movie. So it, it, it works. Um, I, I think One Cut of the Dead is better, but I do think Special Actors is a really solid follow-up. Um, and that's it from Fantasia that I can talk about, at least. Um, I've watched a couple other movies. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, Beyond the Lights because Blank Check is doing the... Um, oh, I'm, the Blythewood is her, Gina something Blythewood? Gina she did... Uh, that's it. Um, they're doing a miniseries for her, and I had not seen Beyond the Lights. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen it, no, but I, I, it's on my list to watch because of... Uh... Obviously, we covered a film, The Old Guard, the other week. Um, yes. So I'd like to go back and watch her older stuff. So I've seen all but uh, Secret Life of Bees now of her stuff. Um, all of her, like, she's only got four actual, like, major release yeah. movies. Um, but I watched Love and Basketball, which was excellent. Uh, I watched Beyond the Lights. Um, this movie I had seen the poster for and wrote it off because it, the poster just looks so generic. Like, it looks like it's, like, a, meant for teenage pop fans. And that's wrong but it, it makes sense why they thought that poster would sell what the movie's doing but at the same time it's just not a good poster uh nor does it really represent what the movie is and man it's really good um and definitely recommend uh checking out especially if you're a fan of um star is born uh mm-hmm. it is it is a different take on a very similar kind of story and it's it's great um i mentioned cachet uh because of the bloody awesome Nope, that's the wrong. That's, that's the podcast fun. It's a uh, movie club. Sorry, we watched <laughs> and reviewed last week, and I will be watching uh, for this week. We're watching the City of Lost Children, the the only yes. Jean 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 Pierre Genois film. Um, well, not the only one. There's a few others that we haven't seen, but it's one of the few that Corey has not seen that I have seen. Um, and then uh, coming out this week, if I'm not mistaken, is the personal history of David Copperfield. Go. I got to watch uh, last night, which stars Dev Patel. Um, here's the truth matt go on i i have never read that book and every time i ever hear anyone reference this book my brain thinks of the magician that i grew up watching as a as a kid same same okay thank goodness i'm not alone because every time someone's like david copperfield i'm like the magician and they're like no yeah. i'm like what do you mean no who else is there like that's the guy there is another right he was like the most iconic uh magician when i was a kid like that's the guy right and then david Blaine became like the next one and uh Chris Angel would be like the most modern one, right? Like that's the yeah. evolution of the magician in my brain. Um, Thank God it's not just me or you then. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, so um, I, I was very unfamiliar with the book. I actually didn't realize it was a Dickens story uh, either until last night. Um, but for me, it, it it worked. I really liked it. And Dev Patel is just an actor who uh, I've yet to see a movie with him where I don't think he's amazing. Uh, I've seen mm-hmm. a movie where the movie's not amazing, but I always am happy with Dev Patel. Uh in the film and i i thought he was great there's a really uh hugh laurie and uh peter capaldi are both in it as well and i really like hugh laurie in this um and peter capaldi's 
good too. So does uh, Tilda Swinton is always amazing to be honest, even if she's not given much to do. Benedict Wong is, Wong is in it. The cast in this movie is pretty nuts. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty funny, and I thought it was uh, again just an excellent showcase of De- Dev Patel's uh, talent. And then uh, in the background, when I've been working, getting stuff ready for work, I've been throwing on Taste the Nation with Padma Lakshmi on Hulu. Um, and she's looking basically what is American food. Like she's looking to define it in uh, by exploring various cultures that have food in America. Like um, it, it's a very, very cool, like interview style show. It's not just like diners, drives and dives where she just eats and like says how good the food is. She learns mm-hmm. how to make some of the food. She interviews the people who are making the food. She really gets to know uh, the culture around the food in different parts of, of the country. And it's really cool. It's very compelling. Um, and again, it, it is, it will make you hungry because some of the food just looks amazing. So that's what I've been watching. What about you? Well, I, I always struggle with food programs for that reason, whether it is something like um, diners, uh, driving and dives I, or whatever, or man versus food. And all that. I think they're thinking I could destroy that, but then realistically I probably couldn't. But I, I can't watch food, uh, food programs anymore because it just makes me <laughs> too hungry. But um, that's a nice little mix there, actually. Um, I'm glad to hear what you thought about sleep as well, because um, I was wondering you know, how other people would find it. So it's interesting to hear that you're uh, higher up on it. Um, for me, in terms of Fantasia, um, I watched a Polish film called Merry Go Round. Merry as in a, the lady's name, Merry Go Round. Uh, it's an offbeat comedy about a 50-year-old lady called Mary who struggles with uh, menopause pain. She's struggling with herself and with a late-blossoming sexual awakening and um, how that plays out. It's it's a strange film. I think uh, it's a strange film. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's an oddly heightened sense of reality throughout. I was intrigued by it. I was I found it to be a nice surprise. I thought it was really a really good, fun uh, dark comedy. There is one scene in it which I found slightly terrifying to um, in the sort of third act, but you know it's, it's off kilter. But it, it plays to the strengths of this film. The lead um, performance by his my turn, Gratznia Misiarowska. <laughs> I thought she was great. I think I've got that right. I think she was great as Mary. And again, there's a few there's a few dips here and there in the film, but Mary go round as in Mary the name. Check it out. I enjoyed that one. And I also watched Bleed With Me, as JB did. And uh, pretty much what you said, it was a mystery which wasn't really very mysterious or intriguing. It was a thriller that wasn't really that thrilling. Um, It had some good setups in it. There were some things I liked about it. I liked the location. And certain parts of it were were pretty decent. But overall, it fell a bit flat. And it was kind of middle of the road for me. It's all right. Like JB said, it's 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 okay, it's fine, but that's about all I can give it in terms of high praise. So bleed with me, s- slow moving uh, mystery thriller. If that's your jam, you may enjoy it. Uh, but my, like John, I wasn't overly enamoured by it. Um, I also caught up on the finale of the Blockbuster podcast with the James Cameron series leading up I to too. Titanic, and that was did you uh, you did you what listen to it this week as well? Because I thought it was great. Yeah, I also thought it was great. I it totally turned me around on James Cameron. So uh, not that I truly disliked him, but I like him way more and have a lot more respect for him as a filmmaker at this point. That's it. Yeah, I, well, I didn't dislike him. I just thought he was a bit of a douche at times. But this, so uh, that other side, Blockbuster is incredible. So again, another uh, bank recommendation. Check out the Blog Blockbuster podcast uh, whenever you can. Uh, I watched Prometheus like this week as well. Um, for the NPM project I'm working on, uh, just to go back and look at how the Alien franchise has evolved or devolved. Uh, and I hadn't seen Prometheus since 2012, so it's the first time in eight years. And I wanted to see how how I approached it now, because back when I first saw it, I remember thinking, well, that was okay. I've rewatched it, and I my opinion it has gone up, but there are still issues with it. But uh, overall, I think Prometheus was actually a pretty decent... It's an ambitious film, we all know that. I don't think it's as bad or as middling as the criticism that it got at the time, I don't think. Um, and also, in terms of Fantasia, as I wanted to mention, I'm going to be watching The Oak Room this week, which is a, an American horror thriller, which is preceded by Finn Wolfhart's directorial debut short film. So I'm interested in seeing what that's like, and Lucky as well. So I'm going to be checking that out, so I'll mention those on 
next week's show. But uh, yeah, that's what we've been consuming this week anyway in the world of pop culture. Now, you hear us say this every week and you know it's true. It's hard to stay bloody awesome. Me and John, as people, we are bloody awesome. You slice us open, you take a sample of our blood, you'll get the DNA, you'll come back and say our blood type is BAMP. We're BAMP through and through, but it's hard to be bloody awesome. So we have to find ways in which to stay this level of bloody awesome each week. Uh, and each week we like to tell you how we've been doing so. So, John, how on earth have you been remaining bloody awesome this week? This week I've been prepping for our students to come back and I've been uh, helping my fellow teachers with uh, tech training and getting them ready for uh, the online environment, which is not new anymore, but still different. And this is much more intentional than what we did when we were sent home at the end of last year, because mm-hmm. this year we were starting from this spot. So we have we have uh, more intent of what we need and uh, a lot more planning has gone to it. And I've got to work with some really great uh, co-workers um, in, in this process. And it's just been really uh, challenging, but in a good way. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of thought and a lot of effort uh, and a lot of optimism, um, something that I'm not always notoriously great at, but uh, for some reason right now I'm, I'm feeling a little more optimistic than I have in many other scenarios. So yeah, uh, that's been how I've stayed bloody awesome. What about you, Matt? Um, well, I'm glad to be optimistic because with the world as it is at the minute, the world needs optimism and it needs pumpkin spice lattes and donuts. So um, good to hear, dude. Um, my uh, Simply, mine is just pints. I met up with my Star Wars Sessions colleague, Luke, tonight for a socially distanced pint. We went to a local pub uh, near where he lives anyway to um, to catch up, you know, to hang out uh, first and foremost, and also to record a Patreon episode we do called Pubcasts, which we get together, we have a drink, we have a pint, and we talk about Star Wars. You know, what could be better other than doing the BAMP? Um, we did it this weekend. It was uh, intriguing how the the public house at the pub actually managed their social distancing. It's all very, everyone had masks on until you had your drink delivered. Usually you go to the bar, you'd order your drink, soft drink, uh, alcohol, whatever. And you take it back to your table. This time you could do it via an app and um, it goes to the bar. They bring your drink over. And once your drinks there, you, you're allowed to take your masks off. They seat you. It's not like just walking into a bar or a pub when you can just hang around. They seat you individually. So how many there are? It's like going to a restaurant. How many are you? Two, right, follow me. And you're sat in your own little table, meters away from anybody else. And it's really quite odd. It's like everyone's in like their own little area. It was great. But it was nice to get out and stay bloody awesome by actually just you know, having a beer and a chat and a catch up, which I know is long overdue for JB. And one day very soon, uh, I will get on a hop on that yes. plane. Um, the schedule is freed up somewhat over the next few years now. Uh, so I will be on that plane and it will either be a blue moon or it will be some sort of green, low calorie, nutritious drink for me and John. Yes. But pretty much, again, it's the socialising aspect of it. But in this world we're living in, you know, socialising is sort of it's going it's falling away a bit whether it's going for a quick drink with your mate whether it's um D D, whether it's whatever it is you do it's we've mentioned it before it's so good to get out and just do it as long as you're observing the guidelines and um staying healthy and safe and if you're not you know that's up to you but as long as you're doing it the right way it's good for the mind and the soul agreed that's always a good a good thing to do Yep, and it's a good way to end on. The BAMP we know is good for the mind and the soul, but that is that for this week's episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And on next week's episode, uh, it's our final Fantasia Roundup. By the time the episode drops, the Fantasia Festival will be wrapping up pretty much on that day as well. So we're going to have reviews of A Mermaid in Paris, The Dark and the Wicked, Under Gods, and The Block Island Sound will be coming at you. Um, so if you like what you've just heard and you want to find us online, you can find us on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, uh, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And uh, on Instagram, where are we, John? We're Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, and on Facebook, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and you'll see us on there posing like a couple of Gs. Uh, individually, if you want to find us, you can find me uh, at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and across social media, including Letterboxd. Search What I Watch Tonight and you'll find me on there. Uh, and JB? at burkreviews.com and on all the social media burke reviews and if you like what you have just heard do consider leaving us a, a five-star review 
on your podcast provider of choice because it helps the show grow. It gets us out there a bit more. Plus, we do enjoy hearing from you guys uh, every week. So thank you very much for doing that. If you have the time, we'd really appreciate it. But uh, with that, I'm going to tell you to stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 blood. 